Good evening, USA. You're in tune to Enlightenment Radio. Enlightenment is what we are seeking, what we are giving, what we are teaching. And good morning, India. Tea party time. We have a chat room for the tea party. I'm going to go there and see if I can... Sometimes my... Uh, yeah, mine don't, won't reach it. I'll go on my other... Uh... Anyway, tonight's teaching, water baptism versus spiritual baptism. There is a gap between the two, a major gap between the two. So, what the gap is, is a difference. You don't get born again from water. You don't get saved from water. You get clean from water. <laughs> Take a bath and a shower. But how did the church get to the point where it has become an essential foundational teaching that you must do in order to be saved? Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for tonight's teaching. I say tonight, but we know around the world there is a morning somewhere like in India. The sun comes up, the sun goes down. God promises us he will never leave us or betray us. His son does also. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came that we might have life and that we might have it more than abundant. More than abundant life. And we're going to teach tonight the accuracy and the truth of God's word in order to live a more than abundant life. When we have truth, we have positive believing, positive action, positive faith, and efficacy. It's power. Jesus Christ told the scribes and Pharisees, you do err not knowing the, the word of God by your tradition. And it, tradition has no efficacy, no power. So that's how you know the difference between truth and error. Father, we thank you for giving us the truth concerning water baptism. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We'll be with the teaching in a moment. A little gospel music.
Elvis Presley, known as a rock and roll singer, but he did do 11 or 12 gospel albums. He loved God. He was raised on gospel music. That's how he got the voice he got. Okay, so I'm going to read a key verse from the book of Acts. And this is Jesus Christ with his apostles at, after his resurrection. There were 11 apostles plus one was voted in Matthew. So he was with the 12. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of him. For John truly baptized with water. That was John's baptism. But you shall be baptized in Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they were therefore come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own. But he's trying to get him back on track, <laughs> what he's trying to tell them. You shall receive power. So receiving, being baptized in the gift of Holy Spirit is equal to power. Dunamis is the word there. After that, Holy Spirit has come in you, you shall be witnesses. And that witnesses is of his resurrection unto both the Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth, including India. <laughs> so, there's a very clear distinction there. Is there not? Did Jesus make a clear distinction between water baptism was John's, now you shall be filled with Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual baptism. The word baptism means cleansing or How shall I say? Immersion. Cleansing, not immersion. Most people teach it's immersion, but it's not. Okay, this is from my chapter 6 in my book, Communion in the Spirit. Luke 3, 1 through 4 says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of Eturia, and the region of Trachonotus, I'm faking these names, and Lysmus and the Tetrarch of Abilene. The 15th year refers to the acceptable year of the Lord, the time foretold of the coming Messiah in Isaiah. It was also foretold that there would be a forerunner preparing the way of the coming Messiah. Today, we know him as John the Baptist. The greatest prophet, according to Jesus, who also happened to be his cousin, born six months prior to his birth. The word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness, and he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. He was strictly in the wilderness of the Jordan River. Why? because John's baptism was water, lots of water. I indeed baptize you with water. So why not go where the water is? Baptize means to cleanse or wash. 
It was a ceremonial cleansing on the outside for the people's remission of sins of what was to come on the inside. But one mightier than I shall baptize you with spirit and fire. There's no water. One mightier than I shall baptize you with spirit and fire. This we now know was the cleansing on the inside for the remission of sins and a new birth of the gift of Holy Spirit. It says in verse 17, his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean or cleanse out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. For those who still insist that baptized means to be immersed, you are avoiding all the clear verses to cleansing. The fire is refining, eliminating that which is worthless or sin as the spirit purifies. John 3, 25 through 26 says, Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. Well, if they're disputing about purification, they're not disputing about immersion. They're disputing about purification, cleansing, and washing. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, referring to Jesus, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. They knew baptizing meant cleansing. He referred to, or here referred to, purification. One more from Acts 10, 15. What God has cleansed, don't call it uncommon. Clearly, it's a cleansing. Immersion was simply John's method of baptizing with water along with the disciples, as stated. And straight away, coming up out of the water, however, what I want to emphasize is the amount of people and all that the water baptizing was in the Jordan. That's what I want to emphasize. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This day, the preparation of the way in the year following was what all the people of Israel, including Jews, Samaritans, converted Jews, proselytes, and even some Gentiles, had been waiting and anticipating for for centuries. The multitude came forth to be baptized of him in water. This multitude is estimated to be well over a million. Quoted from various theologians and scholars in well-accepted number. From every tribe, culture, social stature, religious background, and walk of life, the people were ready for a change. There hadn't been a prophet since 400 years. Did you know that? Before John? I'll probably repeat it in my book. And especially those who felt uh, operative word for those who were hungry and willing. And especially those who felt burdened by government, taxation, the Roman occupation, and the corrupt hypocrisy of their religious leaders. The word multitude is an understatement, for it says they came from all the land of Judea and Jerusalem. And when all the people were baptized, let me repeat that, and when all the people were baptized in water, that's a lot of people. They went out to him, Jerusalem, and all Judea, 
and all the region around about Jordan, including Pharisees, Sadducees, Levites, priests, tax collectors, and even Roman soldiers, according to Luke. By the time he baptized Jesus in water, that Jesus he made manifest to all Israel, it was nearing the end for John and water and the beginning for the acceptable year of the Lord, which would have been about six months of John preparing the way. <clears throat> they had all experienced John's water baptism in the Jordan River, as Paul attested in Acts 13, 24, when John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. He was there because water baptism was done in a river, specifically by the Jordan River. Not a basin, not in Jerusalem or a pool by the temple, but in the Jordan River, thousands per day. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem, and they were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. Mark 1, 5. There was confessing of their sin because that's not necessarily repentance. When the word refers to the baptism of John, it means water. And John also was baptizing him in the Anon near the Salem because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. John 3, 23. There was much water. There is much water baptism. <laughs> Where there is much water, there is much water baptism. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John. Where? In the Jordan. Jesus came to John in the Jordan River to be water baptized. That's John's baptism. And straightway coming up out of the water, he went under, immersed, and he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. This is the first mention of spirit descending, descending upon any of John's water baptisms. John was foretold by God that the one whom you saw the spirit descending upon is the one who will replace you with greater baptism, spirit. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he who baptizes with Holy Spirit. No article thee and no caps. John one thirty three. John originally started out saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 3.2 when Jesus was confirmed as the Messiah and the Son of God upon his water baptism, that's how John knew, this was the beginning of the turning point from the earthly realm of symbolism to the spiritual reality for which he had been coming since Genesis 3.15. From the law... <clears throat> Sorry for the distraction. Dang, I lost my place. John originally started out saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus was confirmed as the Messiah and the Son of God 
Upon water baptism, this was the beginning and turning point of the earthly realm of symbolism to the spiritual reality for which had been coming since Genesis 3.15. From the law and religion to grace and freedom. From the Holy Spirit upon certain men of God to the Spirit of God dwelling in all men and women who believe. This was God's finest hour. The acceptable year of the Lord. For on the next day, the lamb for that Passover was selected. Footnote, the Passover lamb was selected on the 10th day of Nisan, which is April, just five days prior to the 14th, on which time around 3 o'clock the lamb was slain. That'll come into clearer picture later on. John saw Jesus approaching after his baptism and said, Behold, this was the next day now. So the next day was that date, 14th of Nisan. God's synchronicity always amazes me. From the Holy Spirit upon certain men, God the Spirit dwelling in all men, then exactly one year later is when Jesus was selected as our Passover lamb. To God, time means nothing, but timing is everything. Then came past the saying, he must increase, but I must decrease. John 3, 30. Our Savior never looked back. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's like saying he passed the baton. No more water. The spiritual kingdom was about to blow wide open, but not in everyone ex as everyone expected, but in the way of the mystery. This was what was kept hid. This is what they did not know about. Now back to the scene where Peter is standing at heaven's gate, the portal to the spiritual kingdom, where he was just boldly laid out the keys to the kingdom before them. The mass is gathered from lands and far and near, and he concludes with the assurance from God, for the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Then came this wonderful response as promised by Peter. This was after the day of Pentecost, after they had received what the Lord had promised. They spoke in tongues. They had received the gift of Holy Spirit. Peter stood up. And they that gladly received his word were what? Baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Does it say water baptized? No, they're not at the Jordan. They're at the temple. There's no, there's no water there. There's no massive amounts of water. This is where people, they added water to that verse. Don't you add water where there's no water. They got spiritually baptized. This was the new beginning of the new age of grace, of the mystery. It was temporarily until the Spirit would be made available. <clears throat> 3,000 souls were added to the church, spiritual entity of Christ. The church is the spiritual body of Christ. They received apodecami is the word received fully in the Greek. 
In the spirit, they were born again, about 3,000 souls, spiritually. How did they know? The same way the apostles knew, and Peter promised they spoke in tongues. They were baptized in spirit and lambanoed. Lambanoed is the word received into manifestation, the gift of Holy Spirit. No water. There's no mention of water at all. There's no water there. You know how long it was? <laughs> there might have been, what, the Pool of Siloam? How long would it take to baptize 3,000 people anyway? Even if you're at the Jordan, quite a while. There's no water in that verse. First of all, they had already been baptized. Remember? That's why I emphasize it. They'd already been water baptized. All of them. All of Jerusalem. This is what people don't read, or they don't remember reading it, or they don't get it, or they change it, or they read a text, or they read a version that doesn't mention it. But they, all of Israel was baptized, so why water baptize them again? What good was that going to do? And, you know, they do that at these evangelical meetings. Call them down. Let's have an altar call. How many times have you been water baptized, Johnny? Oh, five times. <laughs> What's the point? Water does nothing. That's John's baptism. There's no water in that verse. First of all, they had already been baptized with John's baptism. Secondly, they had not. They're not at the Jordan River. They're at the temple. The only record in the Gospels of water baptism was in the wilderness area of the Jordan River. What? Peter was laying, saying, let's all go have a party down at the river. <laughs> Bring the wife and kids. It's all going to take a couple of days. How foolish to assume after all the spiritual guidance from Jesus Christ on the day of ascension, Peter's promise in Acts 2.38 Peter's promise. You know, and I'm going to read that. And I don't know why I didn't include it in this chapter before that, but I'm going to read it to you right now. Acts 2.38, after the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up, they said, well, what shall we do? Peter gave that sermon and said, well, what shall we do? So remember Jesus Christ gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven to Peter? Well, Acts 2.38 is the keys. As far as I'm concerned, that's what I teach in my book. So, Peter, Acts 2.38. Then Peter said, because the rest of the apostles and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of Holy Spirit. Now, I break this down in detail in my book. I'm going to break it down loosely right now. Look, Peter said unto them, repent means change course of your thinking. And be baptized. Does he say water? No. We all know he knew it was spiritual. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Does he say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? No. It never says that in the Bible. They never carried it out. They never obeyed that commandment because it was never given. That's one clue. The apostles carried out every commandment that Jesus gave them. So why didn't they say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because he did not give that commandment. It was added in the scriptures, I don't know, four centuries later. And he says... And every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. The remission of sins. You know what that is? That is every sin that you committed, have been, or will commit. That means that's been already done. It's a done deal. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. I thought he said already baptized is receiving. They received decomai. In other words, you fill up a glass of water to the brim. That's decomai. They'd already decomai, baptized. Here, I'm using the word term water. How about milk? Full of glass of milk. And you shall receive is a different word. It's the word lambano. Receive into manifestation the gift of Holy Spirit. That's what he promised. And that's what happened, and that's how they knew 3,000 souls were saved, because they manifested. They lumbanoed. You're going to learn to love that word, lumbano. Evangelicals don't know the difference between receive decomite to the full or receive to overflowing. Look, a born-again Christian can be filled to capacity and not lumbano. Still be born again because he hasn't been taught right or he has a fear or he doesn't know. One night, God will open up your heart and will teach you, and all of a sudden, a language will flow out of your mouth. That's what happened to me. So, now back to the scene where Peter is standing at heaven's gate. I went there. And that day there were added unto them 3,000 souls, which also proves that salvation is not a process. They didn't wait for an altar call, practice being good, and attend church all their life. It says that day, that very moment, they became spiritual beings and were added to the spiritual body of Christ. And this was evidenced no other way than by speaking in the Spirit. It's the only manifestation that was not available before the day of Pentecost. This same promise was available today. For Peter said unto them, And as many as the Lord our God shall call. He said not, he did not say it had an expiration date. It is still God calling us today. Sure he is. I will raise them up a prophet from among the brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I command him. That's what Moses said of that prophet Jesus. He said that God will raise up a prophet like unto Moses, and God put the words in Jesus' mouth. Jesus spoke the words that God gave him to speak, and he gave those commandments unto men, the apostles. For I have not spoken of myself, he says, but the Father who sent me. He gave me the commandment, what I should say, and what I should speak, John 12, 49. And in John 6, 63, he says, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. He commanded them to baptize in the spirit in his name, Jesus Christ, that this spirit life was everlasting. And go, teaching this into manifestation to the end of the world, Matthew 18:20, Mark 16:17, and Luke 24:47 at the end of each one of these gospels basically it's the same scene and slightly things were added or things were changed 
but they were all the same thing. And obeying his commandments, they manifested the signs confirming his words God gave him and the promise they would be endued with power. They in turn, in turn obeyed this, gave the same commandments unto those who were seeking, resulting in the exact same manifestation. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The gift of Holy Spirit experienced the fruition which they had received, lambanoed. This is a greater work spoken of in John 14, 12. For Jesus Christ could not lead one into the new birth. Did you know that? Never did. But the apostles could. Following Deuteronomy 18, 18, it says of God's prophet, when the words he speaks come to pass, then it's proof he speaks in my name. People, I didn't write the book. This is the most evidential proof of the existence of God that I can imagine. Why would a lawyer, what his name was, Lee Strobel, write a whole book trying to prove the existence of God and the existence of the Bible and the existence of Jesus when speaking in tongues does it already? They couldn't have done it had he not been raised from the dead or existed. If this is not the evidence for the existence of God, then I don't know what is. As for those in today's obedience to God ministry, who tell their audience that obeying God is everything, yet they themselves fail to obey Acts 2.38, Mark 16.17, and we shall see especially forbidden others to do so. Like John MacArthur, he says it's all gibberish. They're a cult. Anybody who speaks in tongues, they're all cults. Healing all those manifestations, they're not available today. And he's supposed to be the major theologian guide of the evangelical. Okay, so this is not the evidence for the existence of God. I don't know what. Now, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet the prophecy and forbid not to speak with tongues. So this is what we've arrived at at this point, that we know that it's not water. <laughs> there was no water there. You ignore them and proceed to the light, live according to the flesh, and the flesh nothing. If you live according to them. We'll be back in a moment. The spice expands consciousness. Expands consciousness. The music you are listening to is coming from Enlightenment Radio. Sound waves that lift your consciousness, enhance your mood, and transcends time and space. Visit our website at enlightenment-radio.com where you'll be guided each level of transformation to become an enlightened one.
We're continuing from my chapter six or seven. Whoa. This is all in the chapter in my book, Communion in the Spirit. It's a long chapter, but it needed to be long because it is a fulcrum of our new spiritual life. We have nine manifestations. We have power. That's why I say we're in a spiritual battle. God wouldn't put us in a spiritual battle without spiritual weapons to fight with. But trying to fight a spiritual battle with material weapons is often fruit futile, and God knows it. That's why these apostles, they were on fire in the first century church. They were exercising these powers, casting out devils. Mark 16, 17, they shall be baptized in the spirit, which means born again in my name, that shall cast out devils and heal the sick. And this was going on all over. I mean, just the shadow of Peter walking by healed people. Excuse me if it was Paul or Peter, one or the other. Healing was going on all over. When healing is happening, it attracts people. And what attracts people to that healing? The Lord Jesus Christ. And what is it that's going on here? And so that gives you the open door to expound upon Jesus Christ is the healer. It's Christ in them. In those days, in today's obedience to God ministry, who tell their audience that obeying God is everything, yet they themselves fail to obey Acts 2.38. First Corinthians, for previously, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet the prophecy and forbid not to speak with tongues. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 36, 37. For previously to Jesus, saying my words are spirit and they are life. You ignore them and proceed to live according to the flesh, and the flesh profits nothing. You teach water baptism. The Holy Spirit is a third person. You teach the power of the Holy Spirit is not meant for today. You teach salvation by works, or at least grace upon a condition, and that they who obey God according to your tradition and keep continuing to do so is salvation. You are the counterfeit Christians Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24. In the context of receiving the gift of Holy Spirit, he says in John 14, 21, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. He that loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Did you, did, did you, did you believe that? Jesus Christ will manifest himself to you if you believe those words and believe him and love him and obey his words. He'll manifest them. He might stand there at the foot of your bed tonight. I'm not kidding you. He appeared to me in a window when I was a child. So these, these are not just words. These are truths that Jesus Christ spoke. Why not believe for it to happen to you? Pray for it. You want to hear God's voice? You want to hear the you want to see the Son of God appear before you and manifest himself? That's why they call me the mystic guide. I lead you to things that are mystic experiences that are promised in the word. 
I can't think of any more weird mystical experience than speaking in tongues. Can you? It just bypasses your mind. In the context of receiving the gift of the Spirit, he says, He that is my commandments, I just read that. My dear fellow enlightened ones, this is how he manifests himself to us, the communion in the Spirit and via the manifestations. Jesus answered and said to them, If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Wow. There's another verse in Ephesians where it says they, God and Jesus Christ abide in us. It's amazing. This was a glimpse into the mystery. God and Christ in you, the greater works of the new birth. The kingdom has come in power. All power in heaven is available now and ours to exercise with his energy. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. <laughs> These are fantastic promises. Oh, that couldn't happen to me. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I don't believe enough. Boom! All of a sudden, Jesus appears, <laughs> and you are knocked off your <laughs> off your feet, <laughs> like Paul was knocked off his horse and blinded by the light. Brothers and sisters of the light, <laughs> this is our kingdom. This is now our world. Embrace it, for of his fullness have we all received. That's one of my favorite verses. So now, have I established enough for you to believe that there is no evidence, no purpose, no reason for water baptism? And yet you go to a pulpit. You'll go to a church. They got a bathtub of water sitting right next to the pulpit. Come on down. I'm going to immerse you in this bathtub. Hold your nose. What good is it? That's a Jewish baptism, as a matter of fact. I wanted to change the word in the book to christening, but I came to the point where it was a powerful word now, baptized in the Spirit. Now, here's how they explain it in the evangelical world. Baptized in the Spirit, they believe that is speaking in tongues. They think that's what that is. So, in other words, they think you get born again or baptized once, and then you get a second baptism when you baptize, manifest your spiritual prayer language. They couldn't be more wrong. You know why they teach that? Because they don't understand the difference between Lambano and Decamai. You shall receive Decamai, the gift of Holy Spirit, and you shall Lambano in manifestation. You shall manifest the Spirit. Mark 16, 17. In my name they shall cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, in my name. And it says from Jerusalem, starting at Jerusalem, and that's how it worked, if you work it. 
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Thank God to the uttermost parts of the world. Then came along Paul, who was persecuting the church, who was persecuting this movement that was on fire. They called it the way then. And Paul was getting letters and decrees to take him off to prison. His name was Saul at the time. Saul, why persecutest thou me? Knocked him off his horse, and the light was so bright it blinded him. And then he gave him the commandments of what he should do. And Paul, he definitely followed what Jesus Christ told him to do. And he said, you have a great sacrifice to make in your life for me, Paul, Saul. You're going to go before kings and queens. You're going to go before heads of state and thrones, and you're going to go before a lot of noble people for my sake. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of sacrifice. You're going to have a lot of whiplashes on your back. Paul went, he got stoned to death. The believers had to stand around him and pray and pray in the spirit. Raised him up from the dead. He found out one night the town was going to come after him. He got out of the window, out of a ladder, and skipped town. These things are spiritual kingdom reign things that we will operate in our lives. The more we renew our mind to the word, the closer we are in our prayer life, the closer we are to the word of God, the more power. That's kind of like greasing the pipeline. All this stuff will just come. Revelation, God will tell you what to do in a certain situation. I remember meditating one day. I needed, a, I needed, a, I mean, the littlest things. I needed a file for a court hearing. And I couldn't remember for the life of me where I left this file. I, if I didn't have this file, I wouldn't have, wasn't going to make it in the courtroom. All of a sudden, it came to pass that I went to the courtroom and I didn't have the file and they dropped the case. I get home, I start meditating. I start remembering exactly where it is. It comes to me. God showed me exactly where I left. I left it in California. So a little, little good did that do me, but he still showed it to me very clearly. And he will show you, show you what you need to do. You got to get quiet inside. Got to get peaceful. I know I get moody, anxious, that's when I can't see clearly. What I can see clearly is when I'm, I meditated 15 minutes before class tonight. Felt good. I felt a feeling of well-being. I got a little bit of information about baptism I didn't think about before. So all of these things, you must have peace and quietness in your heart to manifest it. Now, the next part, to transform your internal life worldview in an abrupt manner is the paradigm experience. This has little to do with our emphasis, but I'm going to read again from directly from the Bible, those few places, so we can, I'm going to share with you what I just taught you. There is, I'm, going to, I'm going to say it. There is not one instance in the entire book of Acts where an apostle water baptizes anybody. Not one. Baptism is written in there. 
I don't know how many times, over and over and over. And they were baptized, and they were baptized, and they were baptized. Now, when it comes to the eunuch, Philip was not an apostle. Philip sat with the eunuch in his chariot, asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He was reading the book of Isaiah. He was a eunuch. He was uh, serving the queen of a country far off that had been visiting Jerusalem during that time. And he, the eunuch, was a Gentile, so he asked Peter if he'd water baptize, or asked uh, Philip if he would water baptize him, and he did. Now, he didn't know any better then, but he wasn't an apostle. And the other instance is when Peter went to the Gentiles, and they all, he was, speak, he was speaking the word, everything that God had commanded him. And all of a sudden, they just started outpouring without him asking them to. He didn't say repent and be baptized. He didn't say manifest the Holy Spirit. They just did. Acts 10, that's where I manifested reading that verse. <clears throat> the words were in my head. I was going, I'm in class, right? <laughs> I tell this story in my book, I think. I'm in class. In this class, the idea is to teach you step by step, level by level, transformation by transformation, 12 different classes, 12 different teachings and classes of development. And by the 12th class, you were going to manifest. You were going to lumbano. And everybody did. It, they think it's phony because you're teaching someone how to manifest. That's not cheating. That's not forcing you. God does not force you. He doesn't take your tongue and twist it and make you do this. They think that it's a devilish thing, that you're surrendering to a devil. God says, if you ask for a loaf of bread or milk, is God going to give you a scorpion? That's what that little chapter is about, that little phrase. God's going to give you the manifestation of Holy Spirit so you can use it. You can interpret in the church and it has 25 purposes. It edifies you. It builds you up. It speaks the mighty works of God. It's giving thanks perfectly. Have you ever just been so thankful to God you just didn't have the words to say? Well, speaking by the Spirit gives you the perfect words. It's the only thing in your life you will ever do perfectly, speaking in the Spirit. The only thing. It bypasses your mind. You don't have to think about it. It makes intercession for the other saints. In other words, you may not know what it is that's ailing that person. So you speak your spiritual language that God gave you. God knows what's wrong with that person. And you're speaking spiritual prayer language for that person. You're making intercession for the saints. A saint is not a dead person. A saint is merely a born-again believer. That's what a saint is. So if you're making intercession, you have all these powers, why not use them, operate them? Paul gives the manual in chapter 12, 13, and 14 how to operate the Spirit. But he says, look, if any man doesn't want to believe this, doesn't want to care... And if he wants to be ignorant, then let him be ignorant. First thing I ask when I walk into a church, which I don't do anymore, what I say, where's the power? <laughs> Show me the power. 
the unrecognized church, Peter and John and Paul, all of them, if they walked into any of these churches today, they would go, they wouldn't recognize it. They would not recognize it. Well, what is that statue? What is that statue in three and all those windows in threes and everything's in a three because of a trinity? Well, that was from Egypt and Babylon and that was from Greece and that was from all these other religions. So why are you using them? We only have one God, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why do you have all these symbols of three all the time? Anyway, so I'm going to go back over just a tad why it was not and could not have been water when Peter stood up there, Acts 2.38, and said, repent and be baptized. Don't add water to that verse if it's not in there. And like I said, there's not one instance in the entire book of Acts where an apostle baptizes with water. There was an instance where Philip led everyone into miracles and healing, got them born again, but they did not manifest. And so Peter and John had to come up to, uh, it was Samaria. That's because that, uh, what was that guy's name that was bewitching the people? Well, he got saved too. He liked it. Simon the sorcerer. Boy, I'm glad that name came to me. Simon the sorcerer. Well, if, he, if the town's kind of bewitched, you got a few things you got to take care of first. You got to clear the path. Get those uh, evil barriers out of the way so everyone can receive. And that's what Peter and John came up to do. And Philip had a great ministry after that. So you go to Matthew preaching John the Baptist, and the same John had his raiment, camel's hair. They went out to Jerusalem, all Judea. Look at this. And they went out to him, Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the region around about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. I'm going to read something to you. You may not, you can take it for what it's worth. But uh, God is able, bring forth the fruits of meat for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father and say unto you that God is able to do these stones, able to, of these stones, to raise up children unto Abraham. Well, and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth not fruit, good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. People, that's talking about Israel. Israel was hewn down. Jesus went to that fig tree and there was no figs. The, tree, the feet, tree, fig tree died. The next day it was dead. Jesus stood over Jerusalem and wept because he knew it was the last generation. I didn't write the book. There are many, many verses that declare the end and the extinct of the Jews. They didn't need a purebred race anymore to bring in a Messiah. He'd already come. If I was, why, don't, why doesn't a Jew ask himself, well, why haven't we had a prophet for 2,000 years? Before uh, John the Baptist come along, they hadn't had one for 400 years. And every, every generation had a prophet. Well, why haven't they had one for 2,000 years? Because they're not Jews. 
That's why. They're not descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Their Messiah came and went. They better get wind of Jesus Christ. Okay, so Matthew, all of Israel, all of them had heard. I indeed baptize you with water, John says, repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, but he shall baptize you with what? Holy Spirit and with fire. That can't be written any clearer. There's no water to be done. It's over with. You hear these people go down to the altar calls? There's no such thing as an altar call anyway. But they go down to these altar calls twice, three times, 40 times because they feel good. When then they feel good, they feel like I'm saved. And then a few days later, they do something. They don't feel good anymore, and so I need another water baptism. It's just all a game. We want the truth. We want enlightenment. We want people to know that they know that they know that they're saved, they're born again, and all hell can't stop them, and they have eternal life. I knew it that night I spoke in tongues. I had eternal life. I knew it. But if you're not, that doesn't mean you don't. That just means you haven't manifested yet. Let me be clear about that, please. That's what they always want to get me for. Oh, so if I don't speak in tongues, I'm not born again. No, I'm not saying that. I never said that. You said it. Matter of fact, that's usually the case. People get saved, they get born again, and they learn later how to manifest and what it's for. So let's go over to Matthew Mark. What's Mark say about the baptism in the water? Whoa. John did baptize in the wilderness. He says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Prepare you the way of the Lord. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. You know that guy ate locusts? <laughs> I'll have a blended locust. Uh, juicy. And there went out unto him all, A-L-L, -L, all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan confessing their sins. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with Holy Spirit. So how can you say when Peter stood up, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, when they'd already been water baptized, how can you get water out of that? They'd already been water baptized. Two Gospels I've read to you where it says all of them, all of Judea, all of Jerusalem, all the Jews, been water baptized in the river by John. Let me read another one. Let's go to Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke. I didn't make this up, people. If it said obedient, obey God's word and be water baptized, I would. But the Spirit is mightier and greater with the greater, out with the lesser. That's all it is. It was a temporary, symbolic cleansing of your sins. That's all it was. So, where is the baptism in Luke? The baptism of Jesus. John answered, saying to them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I comes and latches whose shoes I am not worthy to loose, unloose. 
He shall baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. And will gather the wheat in his garner, and the shaft shall burn, and the fire unquenchable. That's burning off the sin. That's burning off the bad stuff. So all the people, all the people, again, were baptized. And it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized, praying, and the heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily shape of a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this is the acceptable year of the Lord. I haven't even gotten to John yet. John says that he also baptized. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. And this is the record of John and the Jews and the priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? They thought they were looking for the Messiah. And I knew him not, but he that should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I am come baptizing with water. Water is John's baptism. And John, bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and a boat upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water... The same has said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and that is the Messiah. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot teach it any cheaper, cheaper, any clearer. It's God's word. There is no water baptism in the book of Acts. There's no water baptism to be performed. You don't need water except to sustain your body. <laughs> well, God bless you. This teaching is it's just so simple. And you can clarify a lot of other things when you read my chapter 6, Communion in the Spirit. There's some other things that pertain to it. I go over every, every chapter and every paragraph in the book of Acts where the word baptized is used, if you want more clarification. So God bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. This has been your host, Mystic Guide. It's been one quick hour. Wow. And I have a song that sort of just fits and sort of doesn't, but I like this song. It's a country song by George Jones and Tammy Wynette. Let's all go down to the river. 